What's up, team? This is Transform the Game Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Hempel Jr., and I'm ready to get into another episode. Listen, y'all know how we do our areas of focus, deal with relationships that we have as pastors and ministers. But more importantly, I like to address the areas of ethics, our ethical code. I believe that if we develop the right code in life, how we manage those relationships will improve. Today, I'm excited because I have a brother and a friend who will help us today address a hot topic that needs to be brought up for aspiring pastors. It is my brother and friend, Ricky Austin Jr. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good, man. That, that's one of the best podcast intros I ever heard. I'm just going to say this. <laughs> Bro, you, you are starting early in this podcast. But before we get into this discussion, I, I want to share... Um, you know, some things about Brother Ricky Austin Jr. We met at Gardner Webb University, man. And uh, I remember him walking to the classroom and we may have met the whole semester without saying anything to each other. But I'm looking at this brother and I'm, and I'm thinking, who is, who is he? You know, uh, because for so long, I never saw another young brother like myself, but I learned very quickly who, who Ricky Austin Jr. is, man. I, I realized off the bat that you are confident. And this is one thing that I admire. I've always admired about you from afar that you don't need to be called bishop. You don't need to be called minister or, or, or apostle. I mean, you are very comfortable just being called Ricky Austin Jr., man. And, and really when it comes to ministry when it comes to life if someone gives you an an assignment i'm thinking ricky he's going to perform this to the best of his ability you know he's not going to shortchange you he's not going to take no shortcuts man so so bro i'm really honored to have you um as the guest bro but tell the people a little bit about yourself man where you from what church you attend you know what you got going on well, first, uh, again, you know, that was, I, I felt like I didn't even know who he was talking about just now with all the nice words. Um, but yeah, man, um, so obviously I am from North Carolina, born and raised, uh, specifically Durham, North Carolina, shout out Bull City 919. Okay. Um, and so I grew up in Durham. Um, I came to Cleveland County back in 2011, where I attended Gardner-Webb to do Uh, my undergraduate studies and after I kind of graduated from there I just kind of stayed in the area and so fall of 2016 is when I returned to Gardner-Webb to enter into seminary um, which is obviously around the time you know where we met and um, it's it's been a great great journey man so you know I'm a teacher um, I teach music um, I am a minister. Um, I work with the young adults at our church. Um, I'm also a musician. Um, and I pretty much do anything else pastor or the church needs me to do. So I feel like I wear a lot of different hats. Um, but the main things about me, um, music, ministry, and drums, man, those are, those are my loves and my passions. So. Yeah, yeah, brother Ricky, man, he, he really surprised me because I'm thinking, you know, I'd be low key jealous of those guys who 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 can you know go from the drums to the to the keyboard and then they can preach. I'm thinking, well, well, Lord, why did it bless me the way you bless the way you bless them, man? But I see how serious you take it, even when it comes to offering lessons to the students, bro. That you you know God has gifted you in such a way that you're able to pour into 
different people, man. And I think he's really equipped you for the, for this next generation. I don't say that lightly. And I, I just watch from, from afar, you know. Um, I pay attention to everything you have going on. And I expect, you know, I'm sure that my expectations don't exceed guy expectations, but you you are definitely um, someone who, who I'll keep my eyes on for the rest of my life, bro. So, but you mentioned, you, you know, you know, we mentioned Gartner-Webb and Divinity School and, and kind of going through those trenches together. I, I want to talk about this because, especially with the change of, of you know, the, the disease that is, you know, um, has affected the economy and, and schools and things like that. Um, what advice would you give those who are considering going to divinity school or to a seminary right now for, for aspiring pastors, for aspiring leaders? What advice would you give them? Yeah, so I, I would say my advice to any aspiring leader or aspiring pastor or anybody who wants to work in ministry, um, I would ask this rhetorical question, if they were on the fence about whether to go to seminary or divinity school, I would ask, would you want to go see a doctor who didn't go to med school? Right. Yeah. You know, would you, would you want to hire a lawyer to defend you who didn't, you know, go to law school? And if you could answer a no to those questions, think about why would somebody want you to, you know, shepherd them and you hadn't gone to get your training at seminary. You're talking good, bro. And so for me, you know, I, I understand everybody, you know, can always afford to go to grad school or go to seminary. Um, I know it's not practical for everybody, yeah. but, you know, for me, I am big on, you know, bettering yourself, educating yourself and, and committing to the process of being a lifelong learner. And so even if you can't go to seminary, you know, what are you doing to increase your knowledge? Yeah. Um, and I know, especially in our church culture, there's this this big thing where it's it's like we're always in a debate, you know. Um, we we like to bring up the Holy Spirit, who is our teacher and our God, and all of those stuff. And and of course, you know, I'm from a Pentecostal church, so yeah. if if anybody believes in the power of the Holy Spirit, it's me. Um, right. But you know, I even in the background and the environment I grew up in, when I was telling you know some of those people back home that I was going to seminary, you know, it was like, well, don't let seminary change you don't let them try to teach you all these things that is not as important as the holy spirit leading you and you know it's like well who said you have to choose right exactly. you know i don't i don't have to choose to be this or that you know I, I, darius daniels talks about all the time how we can be this and that and i think that's what we were created to be and you know i i look at it as you know if i do my job in educating myself and preparing myself then when you combine the Holy Spirit on top of that, that makes me that much more equipped. Yeah. You know, my, my old pastor used to say, it's like when God puts his super on your natural, that's when the supernatural yes, happens. So, but you got to have some natural for God to work with. Mm -hmm. Let's not say he can't use you and he can't still do things, but why wouldn't you want to put yourself in the best position so that when the Holy Spirit and God does anoint you or call you to these things, that you know you can handle it yeah and that you are the best prepared to be able to handle what god is has wanting to give you so for me i think education is, is very important um especially for what we do you know we have people's lives in our hands just like doctors and yeah. just like lawyers so if you want to be a pastor you want to be a minister of any kind and it's feasible then i would say you need to go to seminary 
you know, whether you remember everything, whether you choose to actually enjoy the experience, you know, just opening up your mind to those things, I think is really helpful. Yeah, awesome. And, and I agree. It's, it's crazy how we look at professions like that, <clears throat> the doctor and the lawyer, and we, we want to know that you are well trained. Well, where did you, where did you, where did you get your schooling from? You know, but when it comes to the pastor, how heavily we just rely on the, on the Holy Spirit. Well, God, well, and, and I think about this, brother, when, when we think about um, the generations to come or the congregations that we even face now, we have to be trained. So we have to be trained for them. You know, um, they, they don't shout the way they used to shout off of the cliches and, and the, you know, especially, I guess, in the African-American church things that we preach or we got excited about for so long. Now the conversations are changing and people's appetites are changing. So to me, the pastor, we have to be trained to feed them something that they want to eat. You know, I think that their, their appetites are changing. So, yeah. and we have to be, and I, I, look, I look at it like this Sem, seminary, like you said, you know, you may enjoy it, you may not, but you learn how to think differently. And you know how to, and you learn how to prepare different meals. You know, it's it's not just a simple Sunday school meals and or the easy bake oven. I, I remember that back in the day. You know, you know now you know um, how to cook gourmet meals for the people, and it's and it's only gonna get that demand on our lives is only gonna increase because now the world is really, really starting to question everything. So I look at you know I, I used to look at you and look at other students and say you know what here's another person that's training and, and you know, we're learning how to cook together and I can take something that you I say, well, I, I never thought about it like that, you know? So, so I agree. Uh, I was doing some research and, and I do want you to address this because you mentioned it, I guess if it's feasible for someone to go. So I was reading an article and it was saying that maybe four to 5,000 of the students who were able to go to seminary, last year or, or two years ago in, in terms of African-Americans were only four to 5,000 out of them in the country. So only four to 5,000 of us really go to seminary um, or went to, to seminary over, over the last couple of years. For those who can't go, it, it's not feasible for them. They don't have finances. Um, they're full-time employees. They have families. What advice would you give them? You know, if, if seminary, if going to a divinity school is not an option, how how would you counsel that person? What would you what would you what would you tell them? Well, I would I would say um, I would say this first of all. I think we learn in a variety of ways, right? Mm -hmm. you know, when we go to school, the primary way that we're learning is through um, theory and practice, mm -hmm. right? So we go, we we get instructed. We get these theories of how things work, um, how things should go. You know, we learn history behind them. We talk about these things and then we learn, you know, practice. And so that is typically, you know, how we learn in our school setting. But I think one way we also learn is we learn through exposure. Yeah. And the perfect example, you know, I use that is um, I'm somebody that until a few years ago had never been out of the country. And when I went out of the country for the first time, bro, I'm telling you, like, it really blew my mind. Not so much, you know, being one of these people that are like, yeah, I got all these, you know, stamps on my passport and anything like that. But it was just like, you get so caught into thinking that where you live is the center of the world. Yeah. 
until you go outside of it and you're like, no, we're just a fraction yes. of all of this creation that's out here. When there's another side of the world where people don't think like we do, right. they don't act like we do, they don't live like we do. Mm-hmm. And it puts things into perspective for you. And so, you know, just traveling for me opened up my mind to really see the world and how I interpret the world mm-hmm. and the things that go on differently. And so I think education is, is in that same way. You may not be able to go to school and get the theory and practice, but if you expose yourself yeah. to different things, you can learn to become better through exposure. So what do I mean? Okay, why don't you go and visit some conferences? Yeah. You know, go be around other ministers who aspire to do the same things you do. Pick up some books and read. Yeah, you may not have the depth to feel like you want to read, you know, all these Christian history books and Martin Luther and all of these Christian fathers. You may not have that, but what kind of literature are you reading? Right. Besides just the Bible, you know, take time. And like I said, even something as simple as traveling. Like I I know there are a lot of people who have never been out of their county, Mm -hmm. never been out of their state. They have never been out of this part of the United States, you know, going to those different places. And I think being exposed to those things can really expand your mind. So even if you can't go to school, what are you exposing yourself to? Yeah. Because allowing yourself to be exposed not only shines a light on you and where you need to grow and how you can grow, but it also allows your mind to be transformed, right? And to experience new possibilities that you're like, I never would have thought of this before. Mm-hmm. You know, something as simple for me um, when I went to a part of Asia, you know, and we hear all the time about, you know, how our cows over here are, you know, steroids and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. it wasn't until I went over there and I saw their cows and I said, man, their cows are sick because of how sick. <laughs> I said, man, their cows, they're not feeding these cows over here. These people are so poor. And then one of the guys corrected me. He put it into my mind. He said, no. They look sick to me because I'm used to seeing a cow on steroids. Yeah. I'm not used to seeing what a natural cow looks like because I'm used to seeing one that's pumped up. Yeah. And so it just transformed my mind. Like the way we see the world is completely dependent on how we've been trained to see it. Yeah. And so the more you expose yourself to different things, Mm -hmm. you get to, you know, retrain and reform, transform the the renewing of your mind, you know. And that's the best way I think that you can learn if you can't be afforded the opportunity to go to a seminary. Bro, that is, that, that is awesome, man. And when you was talking, I was thinking how many of us may look at ministries that are on steroids. Like, that's not the way it's really supposed to yeah. look and, until we see someone in their natural element. Um, you can look at someone and say, you know, that that is a natural that's a natural gift. It's not on steroids. It's not pumped up by likes or algorithms and on Instagram and things. That that is a natural ministry. So so when you think of, or you mentioned this exposure, bro, that is that is key. Even if we look in the scriptures, those disciples they had exposure to Jesus in certain ways that no one else did. Like he took them away and said, "I'm I'm going to expose myself and show you some things that I won't show the seventy or I or yeah. I won't even show the twelve. You know. So and I think that even goes into um, the pastors and, and leaders who, who we get behind uh, exposing us or challenging us to go look at another church. I think with the pandemic and churches being closed, now we are forced to see, I watch 10 services on a Sunday easy. I'm in Connecticut, <laughs> I'm in Los Angeles, I'm, I'm everywhere. You know, I've joined so many churches 
and just <laughs> just the exposure, just to see what ministry looks like for, for someone else, man. So exposure is key. I, I do want to transition to to the meat, or, or, or I wanted to be the meat of this um, interview because may, maybe you did not know, but you well the way you came to Mount Calvary to me. I, I mean, I gained so much respect for you during that time because you you were at another church. So I, I want you to walk the people through um, how you made that transition, maybe any um, battles that you were facing internally with choosing to, to join another, another ministry. Because I know a, a lot of young preachers, um, sometimes we, we make decisions in haste. We, we want to, you know, if, if you don't give me the preaching opportunities, I'm out. You know, if you don't do this, then I'm gone. So, but the way that you handled that situation, to me, it was done with mad respect. You know, um, they they crucified KD when he left <laughs> Oklahoma and, and joined Golden State. They said, you know, it was the weakest move that, that has ever been made in professional sports. But likewise, I think in ministry, the way we move is so important. You know, transition is, is evident. You know, we're going to transition um, for the rest of our lives, but how you move to me is important. So walk the people through, bro, how, how that story and how you came up with the decision to, to really decide that it was time for you to, to make that move. Yeah, man. Um, I think, well, first of all, I think the best thing to come out of this podcast, podcast is that you compared me to, to the KD administration. <laughs> I, 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 I'll take that, Kevin Durant. I'll take that. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, for me, um, and, and listen, I understand my situation is unique. And my situation had, I think, a lot of compounding factors going in at one time. But um, I'll start off saying, first for me, you know, it was a realization that it was time for me to go somewhere else. And it wasn't because of the church that I was presently at being inadequate. It wasn't that there was something wrong with the church. It was because God was trying to signal me that I needed something different. Not something different in change of scenery, but something different in how I was letting ministry impact my life. Okay. And so, you know, again, my situation I think is unique because I feel like God had been, you know, tugging on my heart to make the move transition for a while. Mm -hmm. But the type of person I am, I'm a very loyal person and I'm also stubborn. And so my thing is like, you know, do I really got to move God? Do, do I really got to go? Because I was comfortable where I was. Right. And, you know, and so again, I wasn't one of those people that was just looking for the opportunity to jump and leave. I was okay staying with where I was because it was comfortable. And as you know, through seminary, you know, we had to do kind of an internship type thing. Mm -hmm. And that kind of led me to going to seek out um, Dr. Littlejohn and, and doing it there. And, you know, I remember the first conversation that we had when we talked about it. And he said, now, I know you come over here, you know, we're not going to let you go, right? And <laughs> it was kind of made in jest. It was, it was a chuckle or whatever. Um, but to this day, I, I know he was dead serious. But for me, it was, you know, just kind of rolled off my back. And so I came over for about 10 weeks, um, did my ministry assignment and did what I was supposed to do. And then I was going to go back. But then, you know, I felt like God was telling me that, you know, I had already created the exit for you. Why are you going back mm -hmm. to the place 
that I had been trying to move you to from for so long anyway. And so for me, you know, the move from changing church, it was never about, you know, I, I think sometimes people, they, they change and usually it's because they face church hurt yeah. or they are, like you said, they are thirsty for opportunities. So they're trying to go to the place that, oh, I can get what I want out of it. Right. But for me, it was all about, you know, I was a musician, you know, I'm a drummer. And that was what I was being defined by. And God, I felt like was really trying to change my identity. Mm-hmm. You know, saying, no longer do I want you to just be viewed as a drummer. It's time for you to have your identity changed to a minister. Right. And you can be a drummer secondarily, but a drummer cannot be your personal identity. And I knew I couldn't do that at the place I was because that place had become so synonymous with my identity as a drummer. And so I really needed to be in a ministry and a place where I felt like at this season of my life, I needed a specific type of mentorship mm-hmm. to get me to where you know, I needed to be as a minister. And, and that's what led me to Mount Calvary and, and specifically Dr. Littlejohn. And you know, for me, the transition was just about being open mm-hmm. and being honest. Um, and like you said, I, I believe in doing things the right way. So even when I did my internship and I had to leave that previous church, you know, I talked with the pastor and I let him know, hey, this is what's going on. This is what I'm doing. This isn't me leaving because at the time it wasn't. Mm-hmm. But this was me, you know, doing what I needed to do for school. And, you know, I was open with that. We communicated about it. He received it. He respected it. And even when the time came, you know, for me to transition, um, especially me being in the position I was, you know, I let him know that, you know, this isn't a thing where, you know, like on the job, you know, some people, you know, they quit and they walk off the job and they never come back. Mm-hmm. You know, I told them, you know, you guys have treated me so well for the past four years or whatever. Um, and so I gave them a time, you know, I said, hey, you know, in about a month or so, I think I'm going to go and make this transition. And so I stayed there. And while I stayed there, I stayed active and I kept working and I kept doing what I was doing until my final Sunday came. And I think that's what allowed me to leave with the grace that I did with because I was open, I communicated properly, um, and I was just honest. I was honest with my previous pastor about what was what I was going into, and I was also honest with not the little John about you know why I was coming to him and what I expected, yeah. and that you know it was it was nothing different. So I think it's important for transition one that we be honest, yeah. we be open, we know how to communicate. And more importantly, I think that our intentions for transitioning have to be right. Yeah. You know, yeah. We, when we think about leaving from a job, you know, no, we may not necessarily owe Walmart an explanation for why we're going to take another job somewhere else. But your intentions have to be pure. You know, they have to be right when we talk about transitioning from a church. Are you leaving, like I said, because somebody said something to you and hurt your feelings, and so now you're trying to go somewhere else that's comfortable? Mm-hmm. Or are you leaving because you're trying to go to a church that you think will better advance you because you don't like the opportunities you're getting? You want to preach more, so you're going to go join this church because they're going to allow you to preach like you want to. Mm -hmm. Well, is that really what you need, though? Right. And so my thing is transitioning is figuring out what is it that you need and Mm -hmm. find a church that can do that. And for me, it was mentorship, and that's what led me to Mount Calvary. Now, how how is that relationship with your old pastor now? Is it still the same? Do you still talk to him, or how how is that? I would say it's it's, it's pretty good. Um, you know, like I said, we didn't leave on a bad note or anything. So, you know, yeah. when I see him, you know, we're definitely still cordial, and you yeah. know, we 
speak and those type of things. And so um, there's no ill will, there's no malice um, in my heart towards him. And, and I think the same vice versa. Uh, and again, because it was nothing personal. Yeah. You know, it was, it was not about um, the ministry mm-hmm. or the specific person. It was about, you know, me and th- at this point in my life, what I needed, this position that I was in couldn't give it to me. And so I needed to go to a different position so that I could get what I needed to be who I needed to become. Um, and that's, that's not about respect, girl. That's, that's, that's mad respect. And I'm, <clears throat> and I'm hearing you and I'm thinking, well, you communicated effectively, but you kept moving, like you, you kept working. And for some reason, once we transition or once we start thinking about transitioning um, to another ministry, sometimes we just stop. You know, we, we think that, okay, I, I'm, I'm done with this church now. I'm, now I'm ready for the next. But if we think about David, who, who was anointed and went right back to being with the sheep, like that, that's part of the transition. And that God respects those who can go back to the sheep and continue doing what for that season until he elevates you to the next. So, so that, is, that is mad respect. And, and bro, this part of the transition that I think is really crazy since you brought up David is that, you know, David had to wait for that that time, you know, in between being anointed and realizing that he was king. Mm-hmm. But even in that anointing, David may have thought he had to give up his identity, but what he didn't realize was that even in the transition, the identity that brought Saul to him would be the same thing that would help elevate him to king. But what do I mean? Come you on. know, for me, I came to Mount Calvary, you know, in my mind saying that I am giving up the mantle of, musician i don't want to be a musician anymore you know i'm retiring from the drums god is calling me to to ministry so i'm going over here to get trained so that one day i can set myself up so that i can be confident and full to walk in and full ministry like i feel like god wants me to do and you know when people say you know quote the scripture you know your gift will make room for you mm-hmm. you know people think that it's about money yeah it's really not about money it's about position right and so for me i came to mount calvary not expecting to play any drums i I had no intentions of ever touching a drumstick while i was at the church and one day you know through circumstances things happen and next thing you know i am now playing the drums (laughs) again while i'm still doing ministry and so you know again it's like you know sometimes we think i have to be this or that Mm-hmm. But then God showed me, no, you can be this and that, but you got to learn how to move in a way that I need you to move and do it in the way I need you to do it. And then I'll show you that you can have both. Bro, and so me, you know, I was so worried and uncomfortable because I was like, man, I don't, I have become, the drums have really become like a fence for me, yeah. you know, just being honest, because I knew it was what I was good at. I knew I was anointed to do it. It was something that I could eat off of. So it had really become a fence for me. And God said, I need you to break out of that. And once God broke me out of that, then, you know, it's like the parent telling the child, okay, here, now you can have your candy. I didn't tell you you couldn't have it. You just can't have it before dinner. And so it's like, I get to have both. And, um, you know, I think that's the power of transitioning too, is recognizing that difference and how you can have both, but you got to do things the right way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sometimes God just wants to see if you're willing to sacrifice that 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 comfortable. I know that you can play drums. You can probably play drums with your eyes closed. You know, sometimes I'm I'm watching you and you're playing drums and you're also 
helping out other musicians at the same time. I said, that brother is good to, to, to keep a beat. You know, so God has definitely anointed you for that. And when I think about that, that young preacher, sometimes once, once, we, once we receive that anointing or, or that call, we think that we can no longer do what we feel is beneath us anymore. I'm, you could have you could have easily taken that that route and say, "I'm no longer a drummer. I came over here to be the minister, and you know, and to walk into a new anointing." But God is allowing you to walk in in a devil anointing. I'm I'm able to do both. You know, I mean, you went you go from you go from the drums down to the pulpit. You know, so so I, I appreciate that. Just watching that aspect of you being humble enough to still let God use you in that way, because that, that is, that's weird too. You know, it, it can be, I, I've just seen it. So mad respect to you, man. How, how old are you, Ricky? 27. Man, you're a young buck. <laughs> young buck. And, and that's what I mean is that, you know, you, you walk with this maturity because I remember, remember when I was 25, 26, and thinking that once I got called to ministry, you feel like I'm getting ready to save everybody. You know, there, there's nobody, everybody's about to get touched. You know, um, the devil, he, he needs to watch out, man. So the fact that you're able to walk with God, um, complete your studies through the um, deal program, still serving Mount Calvary, man, it, it, it's a testament, bro, to, to you. I wanna talk about Mount Calvary right now and you have this ministry mic check so so tell us I, i've heard um some conversations dealing with millennials do you feel let's address that first do you feel that millennials are still should be the target should we still be we know that they're needed but how, how do you feel about millennial ministry in in, in the world today well i i think that's such a um, it's almost a loaded question because there's so, so much in that question, you know, it's, um, I would say that millennials, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say should be the target of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say, I think it's fair to say that if you don't have a good millennial ministry, then your church cannot thrive properly. Yeah. And that's, and that's nothing but a simple numbers game in my estimation. I mean, if you look at it, the millennial age range is between those who are about 25 now to about 36, 37. Um, and so if you are, you know, a millennial in that age range, you know, these are the people who are coming of age, who are on the front lines of job markets and doing all these things. So if you have a church dynamic that leaves out a generation of 25 to 37 year olds, and that means you have, typically you're going to have two dynamics in your church. One, you're going to either have a church of kids mm-hmm. who are going to grow up and leave you because they don't see the people who are closest to them in church with them. So they're going to go somewhere else. Or you have a church field of older people who, you know, glory be to God, I wish we could all live forever. But the reality is we all have a time that God's going to call us home. And so if your church is filled with just older people, yeah, they're strong and you have a present great church now, but what will your future look like if you aren't investing in that kind of middle to mid young generation who is supposed to come and supplant them eventually? 
And so I think it's important to to know that you you have to have a good millennial ministry. Um, yeah. And you know, when people say that, I don't I don't necessarily mean you got to have a gimmicky ministry. I know there are a lot of churches who believe that, and so they're like, okay, well, we want to have millennials and young adults, so we got to be Elevation 3.0. Right. So we need to have the smoke machines and the the fog lights, and we got to worship where it's pitch dark and you can't see nothing and, and have all these things. No, that doesn't mean you got to <laughs> – exactly. That doesn't mean you got to copy the style, but you got to have a ministry that I think is intent and intentional on reaching those young adults and millennials and by doing things that are meaningful and impactful to them. Um, I saw something a couple years ago. Um, I think it was maybe in one of our seminary classes. I can't remember, but I was reading an article about what are more, what are most important to young adults and why some of them are leaving the church. And a couple of things that I read in the article um, that I found interesting, one of them was that young adults really believe in service. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for a young adult who really believes in service and they want to feel like they're giving back to their community and doing things, I'm like, how damning is that to our current church yeah. that there are young adults who feel like, I want to serve my community, but this church isn't really serving the community, so I don't want to be a part of it. Right. When, when the whole the church is supposed to be <laughs> It's supposed to serve our community. Yes, sir. And so, you know, it's just like, you think about those things and you're like, wow, okay, young people, they care about serving our community. So even if you just do something as little, uh, okay, well, what kind of service projects can we do that we should be doing anyway? Right. But knowing that young people, they want to be invested. And I think just that passion shows that, you know, people give a, a, a kind of stereotypical approach to young adults saying they don't care about nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, they're so fickle and all they care about is their phones and they're so self-centered and stuff. But I think with young adults, what we've proven this generation is that we are very invested, but only in things that we think are worth our time. Yeah. And so I'm not going to come to church, you know, every week and sit in there for two hours Mm -hmm. if I don't see any evidence of this ministry going beyond these four walls. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of young people are. And that's why you see them go to these big ministries because, yeah, you know, it's, it's maybe harder to connect. But also, I can see the tangible evidence of ministry being done outside the church. And I think that's meaningful to, like you said earlier, an educated group of people who aren't just sitting there and letting you read the Bible to them anymore. Like, no, I can read too. So how are we going out into the world to reach all people? And I think that's important for young adults. And and it's crazy how the community has to remind the church what the church should be doing. We, we have to remind that you should be, you should be taking care of us. You should be ministering to us. It's crazy how that's working that, that I think even now we're able to see, you know, we, we need to reevaluate, reevaluate what have we been doing all of these years. We've had the spring revivals. We've had the uh, worship encounters. We've had the concerts. We've had all of that, and the communities aren't involved in it. You know, they're hurting, they're lacking food, um, children are in jail, what, whatever the needs are for those communities. And we end up with lifting hands, worshiping God, and the community is out there saying, we need help. And we're saying, no, come to us, come to the worship encounter, or, or come to our next service, and you'll be blessed. And the community is saying, no, come out here and, and, and bless us. You know, so I'm just thinking about, man, you, you struck a very good point with that that 
And I, I think I read, we, we may have been in the same class when we came across that, that information. And I think even the next generation, Generation Z, they are really invested in to what the world is doing. They, they want to know about politics. They want to know uh, what's going on with global warming. They, they are very invested in, they read, they make TikTok videos, educating people, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And, and while the church is saying we can't be a part of that, the the, the world is is there, and they're waiting on us to, to join this party, to join this fight, man. Um, give me really quickly what what is and if you allow me real quick to step on my soapbox for like sixty seconds. Go ahead, bro. As this is about aspiring ministers and pastors, sure. I know to ministers and pastors would be, you know, realize that even the sermons you preach are very important. Yeah. You know, young people are, are no longer coming to church. Yeah, you can you can do all these runs and you can holler and you can modulate up with an organ. And young people don't care about that. What is in the meat of your sermon? Sure. And if you're not preaching sermons that are real life applicable to my life, mm-hmm. that when I get out of here, I feel like, hmm, this changed the way I think. Yeah. Or I can see God active in this way that you presented to me. Right. And they're not going to come and listen to your sermon. And so, you know, even our sermons have to be intentional, not intentional in trying to say, hey, let me do this to be a show for my young people. But are the messages I'm preaching really having value for life? Or am I just preaching religious cliches? Yeah. Yeah. Or am I just preaching something that'll make me happy because I'm trying to get an emotional response out of people, but I'm not actually teaching them. Yeah, I'm not actually giving them meat. I'm still giving them milk, but then I expect them to act like adults. But I'm treating them like they're babies. Yeah, you talk. I'm getting off that pedestal. No, you're good. <laughs> but you know, you have you have a point in that, and that Jesus came from heaven down to earth to 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 live amongst us and to show that He can relate to us. But yet, the preacher, for some reason, we've missed the target in that we don't want to come down to the people and relate to them in our messages. We can parse the Greek and we can talk about the Hebrew and how these things line up. And the people are saying, you still haven't came down to us. None of this stuff is relatable to us. If we preach the text and we're faithful to it, the world and the community will know that God really loves the community, that God loves the, the disheartened and God loves those who are depressed. God loves the gay God loves the trans. He, he loves, he loves them all, you know? So so I think that is so key for us as preachers. And I think that we have to change the game or we, we need to transform the game. <laughs> we need to transform the game, bro. When, when I'm thinking about you, when I'm thinking about myself, when I'm thinking about Chad or any young guys who we're connected to, we cannot approach the pulpit the same anymore. We, we need to, during this time, we need to be sitting back and thinking, okay, how, how do we reach this group of people, you know, how, how, how do we connect with them? And I think it's just by, by looking at the needs of the people. Jesus, he gave, a, he gave us a blueprint with it, man. We just have to, we need, we need to follow it really quickly because um, I know our time is uh, winding up. But, but give me a struggle then. Give me a struggle with um, millennial ministry um, in, in today's day and age. Struggle with millennial ministry. Um, I would say a potential struggle is um, getting everybody to buy in. And I think, again, like I said, for millennials, I think the age group has proven that they are willing to invest. Mm -hmm. But unlike our older generations, 
it's not just about investing in a company or a product. They believe when I'm investing in that, I'm investing in you. Yeah. So what do I mean? You know, like if I, if I apply for a job, you know, I don't want to just know that I'm working for this company. Mm-hmm. I want to know that I'm working for a good manager and a supervisor. Yeah. And I believe it's the same way in the church or ministry. A lot of young people, they're like, okay, I'm not invested in coming to church just so I can say I'm going to church. I need to know who you are as a minister. And I need to know, you know, how I can relate to you in order for me to follow you. Right. And we could do a whole other podcast about whether that's completely fair and ups and downs of that and how it can be tricky and, and it's muddy. But I think it's, it's really, you know, eye-opening and, and it really shows the importance of making sure that we are able to get buy-in and first it starts off with you being able to be who you are and people being able to want to buy into who you are yeah you know leadership is not just about being able to instruct people it's about influence yeah and can you have influence on somebody that you don't need them to do anything for you yeah and, and i think the reason why can you have influence on do something that you don't need them to do anything for you yeah and I think that is a, a big key thing for, for ministry. And so for me, um, I would say a struggle has been, you know, trying to make sure that I balance that influence. Um, because me, you know, I'm somebody who's very guarded. Mm. I'm an introvert and I don't like to let people get too close to me. And so I've noticed that because of that, there's some people who are hesitant, like, uh, I like him. I think he's good, but I don't know if I'm ready to buy in because I feel like I can't really, you know, get a get a complete read on that. Mm-hmm. And but then you know, once people they get around me more, and when I do show that, show that light, they're like, "Oh man, you know, you you so cool, and you know, I respect you, and you got you got all these things, and you know, I want to follow you." But you know, again, people they need to buy into you, and so for me, my struggle personally has been letting people see, you know, that open side of me so that they can buy into me because I'm just used to being very guarded. Yeah. So that's a personal thing for me that I am trying to open up and let myself um, be seen by others because mm-hmm. they want to see. They do. And so I got to let them see. Yeah, they, they do. They, they, because, I mean, I thought the same thing. Like I said, we, I think we may have said in that class that that entire semester, and I, I don't, I don't know if I, maybe I nodded my head at you just to say what's up, just you know being a. But you are, you are. I'm. I thought I was an introvert, brother. You are really an introvert when it comes to. Uh, <laughs> I said maybe I, I feel like an extrovert around you, um, but definitely I think that also when when it comes to just ministry and, and us being pastors, we that transparency is hard sometimes, and and our. In, in a way, we have to be guarded to, to a certain extent um, because you never know the intentions of, of people around you or, or why they want to get close to you like that. Um, so uh, I'm definitely not against it, but but definitely I think that in, in a way there's the we, – we have to battle this. We have to battle the person, and we, and we have to battle our ministry. And – that is a is is a hard balance. It's a hard thing to balance because me as a person, if you know me, I'm I'm a very goofy person. But if I'm if I'm preaching or if in, in ministry, I, I may carry a serious tone when it comes to how I present the word or how how I stu- how I study and things like that. So that balance, man, it is a 
it is a very tricky thing for and most preachers i think are are introverts for for some reason god calls introverts to do <laughs> to speak to speak for him so you know kudos to him man um let, let's let's wrap this up bro i i've really enjoyed this man i, I did not expect to to get this full course meal, brother, but I'm full. I don't. I don't have to go to church next Sunday, brother. I, I, I plan on going, man. But you have really made me think about some things when it comes to this podcast, when it comes to future guests, when it comes to the quality of content that I would love to keep putting out there for aspiring pastors, man. That they can that they can tune in and really hear what today's and tomorrow's leaders are really thinking. So, how how, how can people connect with you, bro? Uh, I'm not sure if you're really big on the social media type of platform, but if someone wants to connect with you, how what would be the avenue that you want that you would want them to look you up on? Oh man, um, well I'm I'm not as big of a Facebook user as uh, as people always encourage me to be, but you can find me on Facebook at uh, Ricky Austin Jr. Um, you can also follow our millennial you know um, Facebook page where I've help do a lot of content there um and so you can find that at mike soundboard um so facebook's probably the best way to connect with me contact me there um you can probably find me on instagram same thing um either way um man you know i'm just i'm just pretty accessible and so i'm i'm just i'm honored to be able to be on the podcast uh, with you, brother, and you know, you talked about admiring me so much. Um, I admire you, man, and and I think that's part of the reason why we, you know, I think connected in jail so well, because um, we we have kind of kindred spirits in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I I salute you, man, for all you do. You know, I see you putting out content all the time, and you always make me feel like I'm not doing enough. So I, I see you, and I'm like, man, Richard, he got something every day, and I'm just. I need to do some more content and stuff. So uh, you you are you are pushing me and inspiring me to keep going and get better at putting out more content. Cause people be asking for it, but I just be like, uh, oh, you know, I don't, I don't really want to do it. But you you keep pushing me to do it. So Ooh, um, man. listen, <laughs> you know, we we really have to push each other, man. I think about I think about you, and I think about other pastors because I know some have have went to school, and I know others haven't. So I'm wondering. You know, when I try to push things out, is it something that Ricky, of uh, Ricky, could appreciate? You know, could he, could he glean something from this man? But, <clears throat> but do it, bro. Uh, the world is waiting on you, man. You know, with mic check, with soundboard, bro. So, I want to encourage you in 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 that and in, in what God has for you. And I'm waiting for you to you to start doing these Facebook lives, brother. You know, we we need you <laughs> in the world. <laughs> Press the live button, bro, and, and give the world what you have, man. So. So blessings, brother. I, I really appreciated this. I'm um, listening, team. That's our time. This is Transform the Game Podcast. I'm your host, Richie Hempel Jr. I want to thank Ricky Austin Jr. Awesome, awesome guest. And that's the buzzer. Game over. <laughs> <laughs>